0: Hey, Life Center, so thankful to have you with us today. I'm excited because our very own Pastor Andy Rosas is bringing today's message. And you may be wondering, well, Tyler, why are you shooting a video for Andy? Because, I mean, we know Andy. Andy's a part of Life Center. Well, I wanted to share a little story with you that I don't think many people at Life Center know. You see, back in the eighties, in the early days of Andy coming to Jesus, Andy actually played electric guitar in a Christian metal band. That's right, I, I know some of you are shocked to hear this, but as you see in these photos, Andy, he toured the US, he traveled internationally, he was well known, and here's the deal. He laid all of that fame, all of that leather, all of the big hair down to say yes to the call to pastor people. Aren't you thankful for that? And so today, Life Center, would you put your hands together? Would you help me welcome Pastor Andy Rosas as he comes and brings the message?
1: There are things about my life you shouldn't know. (laughs) Things about my life I didn't know. Well, Pastor Tyler and Amberson, their greetings, they're on a little uh, trip away with their family this week, so I encourage you to keep them in your prayers as they, uh, as they come back and as they travel. Uh, I love Pastor Tyler, I would love to show you some videos, <laughs> some pictures. Well, we got a few more weeks, I guess maybe I could pull some stuff out, yeah. Anyway, um, hey, we have a special guest with us all the way from Europe, uh, uh, missionaries that we support. The Johnsons, where are the Johnsons? Glenn and Dana, hey, what stand. We'd love to welcome our missionaries, our heroes of the faith as they are ministering over in Europe, and we're so thankful for them. Thanks for sharing your time with us as they're in a short furlough. Well, we um, are in the midst of this series, actually coming to the end of this series that we focused in on over the last uh, several weeks, called The Good Life. The Good Life. Um, and it's an interesting statement because we didn't come up with that statement on our own, that title, as just a you know a easy cliche, The Good Life. But actually, the words come from the Word of God to actually show us and help us how to begin to how to live out the good life. And we've uh, used Ecclesiastes chapter 3 as our launching point. So I'd love to have you look there with me as we look to the Scripture today. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 9, what does the worker gain from his struggles? I have seen the task that God has given the children of Adam to keep them occupied. He has made everything appropriate in its time, and he has put eternity in their hearts, but no one can discover the work God has done from beginning to end. I know that there is nothing better for them than to rejoice and enjoy the good life. Nothing better for mankind than to rejoice and enjoy the good life. That actually was the word of God's word to us. That God has a plan to keep us occupied, accomplishing his tasks for our lives, but also to rejoice and be people who enjoy the good life. How do we come to that point of enjoying the good life? And over the last couple of weeks, we've dealt with some challenges that would keep us from enjoying the good life at times. There's some challenges we've had, you know, and it first starts with our relationship with God. If our relationship with God isn't what it should be, it hinders enjoying the good life. How do we work on that relationship? And then we talked about the relationship with others, people in our life, your, your family, people that you're close with. If we can't get those relationships right, it's going to mess up the good life for us. And then last week we talked about the relationship with ourselves, dealing with rest, and that if we can't get that in line, we'll never enjoy the good life because we're always feeling depleted in our life. Well, today I want to talk to you about one of those areas that we all battle to find enjoyment in the good life in. We all battle it. We all deal with it. Really, no matter what your age is, we are all confronted with this challenge In this thing that would try to rob us from enjoying the good life, and that's financial challenges. Simply put, debt. Dave Ramsey shares this, a financial consultant, that in 2021, the average American debt per U.S. adult was $58,604. 77% of American households have at least some type of debt in their life. That means 23% of all the Americans in in, in our nation are debt free. 77% have some sort of debt in their life. And it's interesting how the financial challenges that we deal with in our life in one way or another, and whatever that, uh, that degree is, causes us angst in our life. It can cause us sleepless nights. It can cause arguments within marriages and arguments within families or arguments within business partners, how we deal with that challenge. We want to have the good life. We want to have peace in our life. We want to have peace in our relationships. And yet, financial challenges are those things that will always rob us of that. The Bible says where a man's heart is, there. where his treasure is, there his heart is. And so really, it's all about our heart being right in those moments. Interestingly enough, in ministry over the years, I've noticed that there's these situations that take place. And even as we talked about it just a moment ago, as, as Pastor Garrett brought up, you know, we, we gave the opportunity for there to be an offering for Ukraine. And and, uh, we shared with you the need, and we shared with you our desire to make a difference, to go and bring food and medical support to people who are in crisis there, many of our brothers and sisters in Christ. And so we said to you, hey, what would God put on your heart to give? What would God put on your heart to do? And we just simply asked you to pray and and to ask God, and then to give, to give and and to be a part of it. And then a few weeks prior to that, we have a couple mission trips coming up here, and And uh, we have a trip uh, just uh, in in August, going to go down to to work in an orphanage and to help finish a building that we started for a girls' dorm to help orphans in Mexico. And so, hey, we'd love to have you go if God puts it on your heart to go, to come and sign up. And then in October, we're going to go down to build a couple houses for families who are in need and again, an opportunity to go. And yet here's the interesting thing I've realized over the years in ministry. Because I've made a lot of appeals over the years for different situations, different offerings or different trips. And yet there's times, there's moments when those invitations are given, people feel a sense of sadness. They feel a sense of sadness because no matter what the cause is, no matter what the need is, and their hearts may feel compelled to do something, and yet they're confronted with this incredible thing called debt. And because of it, they have to say things like this, I'd like to but I just can't afford it. I would love to go, but I just can't afford it. I'd love to give, but I just can't afford it. There's something going on in my heart. I feel compassion. I feel this sense of wanting to, but yet I just can't afford it because it's just too tight. My finances, just they don't allow for me, and I have no freedom in that regard. It's in those moments where we see 2 Corinthians 9. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. Each one should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. We're confronted in those moments that, Lord, what do you want me to do? And and then we hear that voice from God, that nudging of the Spirit of God in our life to do something, and yet oftentimes we're confronted because of the financial challenges that we can't enjoy the good life in our finances, and so we have to say no. Well, I want to share with you four practices, and there's many more practices that we could share this morning, There, and there are many more, that I want to focus on four practices that we need to start the journey to walk out of bondage of debt and begin to enjoy the good life. And if we'll grab hold of these practices and begin to instill them in your life, watch what God will begin to do to begin to help you enjoy the good life. The first practice is this, prayer. You need to ask God for help. James 4, 2, you don't have because you don't ask. That's pretty clear. God is waiting For you to ask, in the midst of your financial challenges in your life, it first starts by saying, God, can you help me? God, would you come into my situation and help me? And it's pretty clear God is wanting us to ask. God never shuts his storehouse until we shut our mouths. He wants to help, but the problem is we never ask. Ask God to help you to get out of debt. Ask God to help you in your financial crisis. Think about this from a, the last time you needed a car. Did you just go out and buy a car or did you ask God for a car? Think about it for a moment. Last time you needed a car, did you say, hey, God, I need a car. Would you help provide a car for me? Or you just skip God and go ahead and just went out and bought the car and financed it. And now you find yourself in that place. Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Interesting, if you look at those three words and take the first letter of all three of those words and it comes up with ask. Ask. What would you like to see God do in your life? Start asking. What would you like to see God do in your finances? Start asking. Can I invite you, before you pay for it, pray for it. Before you go out and pay for it, pray for it. Begin to ask God to come into that aspect of your life. Stop and ask God. Give God a chance to give before you go out and charge it. Before you pay for it, stop and pray for it. So the first point is this, that if you pray as much about your finances as you do worry about your finances, you'll have a lot less to worry about because God will show up. God says, ask. I'm waiting for you to ask me to help you. The second is this. Purpose to be a tither. Now, Pastor Garrett talked about it just a moment ago as we were taking the offering, as receiving the offering, we talked about tithing. Tithing is an interesting principle, and it's a principle that is very much more spiritual than it is anything else. There is a spiritual dynamic, a spiritual thing that takes place in the miraculous when we grab hold of and understand tithing as a principle and as a lifestyle and as an act of worship. Honor the Lord, it says in Proverbs 3, by giving him the first part of your income and he'll fill your barns to overflowing. Malachi 3, a common passage has dealt with this because I really think it really sums up this relationship between God and man and this principle of tithing that says this. Malachi chapter 3, verse 8. Will a man rob God, yet you rob me, God says. But you ask, how do we rob you, God. In tithes and offerings. This is God speaking to the nation of Israel. He says, you're under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. The only place in scripture that God ever gives us that invitation. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I'll not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you'll not have room enough to store it. I'll prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines of the field will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Principle is simple. It's simple principle. If you make $100, the first $10 you give back to God as an expression of worship. You make $1,000, $100 you give back to God as an expression of worship. Because it's worship. It's this moment that God, you've blessed me with everything I have. I acknowledge that. I acknowledge that you're the provider of everything that I have. Everything that I have received comes from you. I mean, as much as I think I'm smart enough or I'm good enough, all it takes is one doctor's report, bad doctor's report, and I'm not making anything. And I'm not going anywhere. But Lord, the fact that I'm able to get up this morning, the fact that I'm able to live out my life is because of your goodness, God. You gave me the job that I have. You gave me the family that I'm in. You gave me the resources that I have. And so when it comes to that moment of worshiping God, Lord, I want to give to you a tithe as an expression of my my thankfulness for your generosity. You see, tithing is not charity. It's an act of worship. It's this expression of worship. Tithing is in charity. I don't give it to somebody else. I give it to God. It's an act of worship that says, all that I have comes from you in the first place. And if you weren't here, I wouldn't have anything. my wife and I first got married, we decided that if anyone was going to get paid, God was going to get paid first. First 10% of everything we have goes to God. And we purpose that in our life. And 32 years later of marriage, we can look back and say, man, God is awesome. We've never been able to outgive God. It's an expression of worship because God needs it. No, God doesn't need your money. Doesn't, if God needed my money, we'd be in trouble. What it does represent is your heart. It represents your heart. God doesn't need your money. He wants your heart. Where your treasure is, there your heart is. Jesus said that if you're going to that, that if, that if make him number one in your life, he's got to be number one of your time, of your finances. He's got to be number one. It's about making him number one. one. Yet the number one reason why people don't tithe, simply put, it's fear. It's this incredible place of fear. Uh, Let's just be real honest. And I've talked to financial advisors about this. It does not make sense in the natural to give 10% of your income God if you sat down with a financial advisor and he looked at all your papers and all your books and all your income you said okay yeah here's my income here's all my resources yeah so uh, here's my budgeting 10% of what I have right off the top goes to God I give it to God at the end of the conversation he'll look at that and say um yeah I don't think that's such a good idea I know somewhere else you can give it and make a lot more I know some investment and you know they'll encourage you to give to charity, sure, you know, but I don't know if you want to do this though. They'll it because it does not make sense. It doesn't make sense to take 10% of all that you have and give it to God. It doesn't make sense, it doesn't compute. Because in the natural, it doesn't compute. But tithing is supernatural. Because what happens in the principle of tithing is you give the 10% and then God takes his hand of blessing and he puts it on the 90% and all of a sudden 90% will go farther than 100% would have gone on its own because it's blessed. But here's also the grace of God. You say, well, I don't know. I don't think I can tithe. I'm just not going to tithe. God goes, okay, I'll just stand over here and wait. And he does. He does, he's patient, he's loving, he's gracious in his waiting. He goes, go ahead, you can try to make it work out. Or you can invite me in and that expression of worship and watch what I'll do in your life, which you can't do on your own. It's that place of trust. It's that place that only one time in scripture does God give us the invitation to test him. I get how scary it is. I get how nervous it is. I get it. I get that you're going to, wow, 10%, you're going to give 10% and man, that's, and then God goes, test me. I dare you, go ahead, test me. See if I won't do what I said I would do. Go ahead, put me to the test. And we step out in that moment and we test him. Number three, so not only be a tither, And that's that supernatural explosion that happens in our life of God's blessing and his protection. But then, number three, plan to be a giver. Now, what's the difference between the two? Well, tithing and giving are different. Not only are we to tithe, to give 10%, but then also God wants us to understand the principle of his blessing in our life, that he blesses us to be a blessing. So the tithe goes to God, is our expression of worship to him, but offerings are that expression of us blessing into somebody else's life because God wants us to, because God wants us to be a vehicle of a miracle. God actually wants to bless you to be a blessing. He wants to prosper you for a purpose. It was a time that somebody had given my wife and I some money, and it was interesting how that money had come about because we had committed to give something that we felt God called us to give, and so we gave it, only to turn around to somebody that the very next day comes and says, here, God told me this morning to give this to you, so here you go, and they gave me some money, and I went, like, what do you mean? And he said, I don't know. God just told me to give it to you, so I'm just being obedient to God. So here you go, you do whatever you want with it. So my wife and I, we look at this money and we're like, what are we supposed to do? And we felt like we were supposed to give it away. And so we said, okay, God, thank you for this. And now give us opportunities that we can bless somebody else. And we found ourselves in different conversations and different meetings and we're having conversations and all of a sudden somebody comes up to me and says, yeah, you know, they're telling me about their need and they're saying, hey, yeah, my, my, I remember one conversation, my dryer, you know, is broke and I don't know, I, yeah, it's just such a mess and I don't know, I don't have the money. I said, well, how much do you need? And they said, yeah, like $500. And I went, oh, here you go. Here's $500. And they were shocked. And I was just as shocked. Here's $500. What's the $500? Well, I don't know. Hey, it wasn't my money. I'm just giving it away. God gave it to us for us to give away. And so, and, and then all of a sudden, they would say things like this. It's like you've been in my house listening to my prayers. Because in their house, they're going, God, I need a miracle. And then all of a sudden, God blesses us over here because he's going to do something over there. But he had to bless us. So not because he needed us to do it. But he invited us to be a part of it. And all of a sudden, he invited us to be a part of this incredible journey of blessing. And we found ourselves in conversation after conversation. And I'll tell you what, it was so much fun to give away money that wasn't ours. And God said this, Andy, nothing you have is yours. It's all mine. I gave it to you. We began to realize, wow, God, It is more blessed to give than it is to receive, because it was fun. It was fun to hear the stories that they were praying for it, and then provision came. It was fun to hear them. I wondered if God could hear me, and then all of a sudden, we were God's hand extended into their life and brought blessing to them. It was fun to see the miracle take place. And here's what happens in this passage that we saw in 2 Corinthians was that, that remember this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. Each one should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, because God loves a cheerful giver. So then God, I say, God, what do you want me to do? And see, here's the reality of that lived out in real time. You find yourself with someone in a situation and you see a need. You see the need. You see them in their need. You see them in their situation. And all of a sudden, you're saying, God, what do you want me to do? And then God tells you to do something. I want you to give. I want you to do. I want you to help them. All right, God. And then you help them. And it was like, wow, that was fun, Lord. And then all of a sudden, you help. And then you find that you're in need. And God goes, well, here you go. It it was interesting. My wife and I, in our journey of giving, How we would see God would call us to give, and so we would give, and then he would bring blessing. And then we'd get blessed. And we thought, well, this is cool. And then we got blessed, and then he said, I want you to give here. And so then we'd give here. And then there'd be more blessing over here. And so, I mean, I'm not a rocket scientist, but I, I realize at the point that, God, whenever you call me to do something, to give and be generous, and I do it, you then will bless me so I can do it again, and you'll bless me, and this is incredible adventure. I remember there was a time my wife said to me, she'd say, hey, did you give to something? And I went, oh, yeah, I'm sorry, I forgot to tell you. I gave to this thing. She goes, oh, I thought so. I said, why? She goes, because I just got a raise. Really? And we just began to realize that that was God's economy. So suddenly we began to say, all right, I want to give, and I want to be a part of it. I want to to help, and so we should decide in our heart to give, not guilty, but give with a smile. and, And I want to be a cheerful giver, not a worried giver. But you know, I wasn't always a cheerful giver, to be honest with you remember there was a time that my wife and I, we were at Costco and it was around Christmas time and they had a big pallet of candy canes. You know, the box that had like five candy canes in a box. And she's standing there looking at these candy canes and I said, what are you getting? And she goes, well, my wife was working with kids ministries at the time. There was about like 100 100, 100 plus kids. And she goes, I want to get the kids a candy cane. Get everybody a candy cane. And I said, um, and I sat there looking at you know, five candy canes to a box, how much one box was, how many kids there are, and I'm computing in my mind how much this is going to cost. And then next to it was a bucket of candy canes. You know, the little ones? You know the... And I said, why don't you just get a bucket of candy canes? And she goes, well, because I want to get them the big candy canes. I said, you could buy two, they were like, a bucket for five bucks. You could buy two buckets of candy canes, and you can give the kids like five candy canes a piece. And she goes, I want to get them, the big candy canes. And I'm trying to convince her, get the little candy canes. And we're going back and forth, so finally she goes, forget it. And she walked away. (laughs) So then a couple days later, we're at home, and I was looking for something. I thought my wife had it, so I went to her purse to look if she had it. And so I open her purse, and I see a bunch of receipts. And I'm looking at these receipts, and they're all, like, for candy and stuff. Like, a lot of money for candy and stuff. And I'm like, what's this? She goes, get out of my purse. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but what is this? And she goes, those are receipts. So it's candy that I bought for the kids. And I, and I said, why are you hiding receipts from me? She goes, because you're cheap. <laughs> and all of a sudden, she brings up the candy cane story. Instant Conviction. I think it was more the Holy Spirit telling her to tell me I'm cheap than it was her. All of a sudden, instant conviction hit me. And I'm like, oh, honey, hey, listen, you don't have to ask me ever. If God puts something in your heart to give, you go ahead and give. Don't ask me. if Whatever God tells you to do, I trust you. Go ahead and give it. Because my cheapness, and let me tell you why it was cheap. And any one of us that deals with that aspect of when we're cheap, when it comes to being generous with God and what God calls us to do, it's just simply fear. Man, if I spend that much on candy canes, what about my needs? What about if I want candy canes? by the bucket. (laughs) I'm afraid we're not going to have enough. If you're too generous, then what are we going to have? And it's fear. It's dealing with the fear that I don't want to give because if I give, and what if I'm in a pickle, what's going to happen with us? And so we tend to be be tight because we're fearful that God's not going to come through. But if God puts something in our heart to give and it's in those moments that we're praying to be generous, and let me tell you how it usually goes. We'll say, God, what do you want me to give? And you'll always have two numbers in your head. And the lesser number tends to be your number. And the bigger number tends to be God's number. Because he's trying to do something in you and through you. Because he wants to prosper you for a purpose. He wants to bless you to be a blessing. He wants to take you on this incredible adventure of giving and generosity. But it first starts with us being willing to say yes to God. Finally, you got to prepare to be a lifelong learner. Sometimes we find ourselves in a place and a challenge financially because we just don't know any better. When it comes to finances and financial challenges and financial learning, it's interesting how everybody learns differently. There's some of you that you learned because you had some parents that really taught you the value of a dollar and taught you how to budget and taught you how to do those things. And there's... Others, maybe you didn't have that, and you didn't have that kind of of influence in your life, and you've just made decisions, and you didn't know any better, and you find yourself in a tough place. But see, when God plants you in a church, he brings us to a place where we can have others who can look objectively into our lives and bring wisdom and bring guidance to us in those moments of understanding how to be wise stewards. We need to be willing to humble ourselves and prepare to be lifelong learners, Oh, I haven't figured it all out yet, but I'm still learning to be a better steward. I'm still learning how to manage the things that God has given me and how to work through it and how to trust him in the process. It's more than expecting God's blessing. It's also planning to use God's resources he's put in your life wise and to be a wise steward. We have a class that we've offered uh, uh, called Financial Freedom. It's going to be happening in the fall, uh, September and it's a great class that's able to help you in those moments and part of part of understanding this relationship of being a better steward is, is, is learning tools and, and learning principles to begin to help you get out of debt and help you begin to walk into a greater place financially. We're going to talk about budgeting and saving and debt and investing and giving and estate planning, and there's much more that you're going to deal with in that class. But it's an opportunity for you to grow and for you to learn. And, and it's interesting when you take those two components, the component of generosity that, God, I want to be a tither, I want to be a giver, and God supernaturally does something in your Life. And then you take the component of understanding and learning and wisdom and you put them together. Watch what God will begin to do in your life. And it's called enjoying the good life. That finances don't control me. It doesn't matter what the stock market's doing. It doesn't matter what the economy is. I know God is faithful because I put him first in my life. You want to see God change things around you? your family, your finances. You want to be able to say yes. You want to be able to give and to go whenever he puts it in your heart. You got to ask, ask God for help. You got to start tithing. You got to be willing to give. You got to be a lifelong learner. I want to read to you the second part of that passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. Each one of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it's written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase the store of your seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You'll be rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. So as we purpose to say, God, we want to be tithers. We want to be generous people. If you tell us to give, we want to give. you tell us to go, we want to go. We want to be that way. And here's what God says, as you do that, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to provide your seed. I'm going to provide your blessing. I'm going to position you in a place that you'll be blessed so you could be a blessing. That you'll be prospered for a purpose. Here's the reality, though, I know we face in a moment like this as we come to the close of this message. It's scary. It's scary. Pastor Garrett, would you come up here for a moment? It's scary. I remember a guy who was a businessman. He had come to Christ in his life, uh, in his business life. He um, came to Christ. He started learning about the principles of God and began to learn about how it was to be a a tither. And so uh, he and his wife sat down and said, okay, you know what, if we're going to do this God thing, we're doing it all the way. And and the Bible says that we should tithe. So let's figure out what a tithe is. So they figured out what a tithe was. He was kind of blown away. And, and um, he said, the, remember the first day I came to church to give our tithe? And I was there, and I had this check in my hand, which we had calculated to the penny what our tithe was. And the offering plate came by, and I had the check in my hand. And I'm sitting there, in my brain is telling my hand to let go of the check but my fingers didn't want to respond he goes it was the scariest thing I had ever done in my life and then I released it and my life has never been the same since that day my business has God has blessed my business God has blessed my family and here's what I realized I can't afford not to tie and yet I know it's scary. And for illustration's sake, let's, let's pretend I'm God. Sure. And you're not. Fair? You are mankind. I should be a little taller since I'm God. That's better. Here's the relationship that God wants to have with us when it comes to this Principle. He comes alongside and kind of puts his arm around us and goes, listen, I know how this is scary. It's the scariest thing you've ever done. 10% of your income. I get it. It's scary. I get how nervous. I know the bills you have. I know all that other stuff you're dealing with. I know. But listen, test me in this. See if I won't do what I said I would do. Come on, test me. I dare you. Test me. Now, here's the posture he has is this, not this. This is the only place in Scripture you see this. God is not going, hey, hide or go to hell. He didn't say that. He doesn't have this posture of judgment. He comes alongside because he knows this is the most difficult part of the conversation. He goes, listen, I get it. I get how scary it is. Test me and see if I won't pour out so much blessing in your life, you can't contain it. Test me. Come on. And he has that posture with us. You know, that's what God wants to do with every one of us. And that's his grace. Remember, I told you his grace is enough that he'll sit back and say, okay, if you don't want me to help you, go ahead and do it yourself. But the moment we say, God, help, he goes, okay, thank you. That's what I've been waiting for. And he comes in and he helps us. God's desire for you and for me is that we would enjoy the good life and not let the financial pressures of this world drag us down and keep us from being generous. But on every occasion, God, what do you want me to do? So, Lord, I pray for your people now. Lord, you know every heart, every need, every situation represented in this room. You know, Lord God, the arguments that have been had between husbands and wives, the family conflict, the internal conflict that has been represented, Lord God, in our lives when those moments come to finances and money and what we should do or not do and God, I pray in Jesus' name, you and your word will just come alive to us in this moment and that everybody here, Lord God, and I include myself in that journey, Lord, will be willing to test you, would be willing, Lord God, to find you to be true. And I pray, Lord God, for your people as they are willing to step out. I pray you'll meet them, Lord God, and you'll show up to be the God of provision. You'll show up to be the God with cattle on a thousand hill and you'll show them that they can trust you and you'll take them on this incredible adventure and journey of generosity and giving that will literally change their world, change our world for your kingdom's sake. Bless your people. Give them the courage today, Lord God, to do what you call us to do. In Jesus' name, amen.